Welcome to The Lisa Show, where we take a good look at life. Tell me if you've been in this situation. You and your partner are getting ready to go out, maybe to a fancy dinner, or maybe just to grab some takeout with friends. You can tell your partner is having a hard time when you see them look in the mirror and say, ugh, I just feel so fat. Now, you love this person. You feel like you need to say something. But it seems like there's no right thing to say. What can you do to build up their body image without falling victim to all of the many unhealthy ways that we talk about our bodies? As we've been producing this body image series, I've seen that in many situations, I just don't need to be worried about other people's bodies. I love them for who they are and don't need to preoccupy myself with how quote unquote healthy or attractive they are by society's standards. But with romantic partners, it doesn't feel that easy. There's no escaping how our bodies play a role in a healthy relationship. Partners are there for every day, sick or healthy, good body image or bad. We want to love and support them through it all without accidentally making them think like they need to look a certain way in order to deserve that love. In this episode of the Lisa Show series on body image, I'm going to explore what it takes to navigate these seemingly impossible conversations and build a long-term relationship where both partners can feel loved, desired, confident, and safe. I talked to eating disorder and relationship expert Signa Darpinian, and later you'll hear her advice for struggling couples. But first, of course, I talked to the Council of Moms, consisting this week of Katie Craig, Natalie Madsen, and Suzanne Clark. Here's how Katie described the current body conversation that's happening in her marriage. So my husband and I, I'm in my late 40s and he's in his early 50s. So he's like, I think 51. And it was only recently that he had an experience where he was like, oh, my body and I feel older and my body's changing in some way. And as a woman, <laughs> or your body has changed a million times, right? Over and over and over, right? We're Elastigirl. Yeah. I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh, welcome to the party. <laughs> <laughs> your body's finally, you know, having some kind of an evolution. That's so, how good for you to be growing yeah. up, yeah. right? Because like, as women, we live with that. That's everything. We evolve monthly, you know? Right. Yeah. And so it was kind of an interesting thing to like, to appreciate this fact that like, it's hard for a man to grapple with this idea of like, wait a second, my body, I don't have all the control and like to actually, you know, come face to face with that for the first time. <laughs> so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> I love the way Katie never holds back when it comes to what we go through as women. Here's what Suzanne had to say about what she and her partner are currently navigating. My husband and I are a little older. We're in our 50s, and we're at the stage where we have to say to each other, do we need to schedule a colonoscopy? (laughs) Did Did you get your shingles vaccine last time you were at the doctor or your booster or whatever it is. And so we're, I feel like we're at an age where it's really important to talk about how are we treating our bodies and what should we be doing to prevent illness or 
awful things when we're older so that we can still enjoy life later on. So we're definitely in a stage where we have to talk about cholesterol and maybe weight, healthy weight and exercise and all the things that come with preparing for old age. And lastly, here's how Natalie described the way body image is impacting her marriage. I think we're in a phase where um, we're in like our mid-30s and uh, my husband's name is Alex and Alex and I uh, both really value exercise, eating well. You know, we're, we're pretty active people. I'm a fitness instructor. Um, he's really active as well. And it's so funny because I feel like whenever we do have conversations about body stuff and insecurity, we almost have opposite problems where like... <laughs> I look at a donut and there are 10 pounds immediately added to my hips (laughs) and it will take me six months for those 10 pounds to go away. And Alex will say, you know, I think, I think I'm going to start trying to go every day to the gym. Maybe. (laughs) And then like two weeks later, it's like, boom, six pack. You look amazing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like his metabolism and my metabolism just couldn't be more different. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens naturally, but he, um, it's been really interesting as we've been married, we've been married now for 13 years and just learning more about men's insecurity and the pressure on men's bodies that I just had never really thought about before. He has a hard time putting on muscle and weight. He's naturally very thin and very slight. He's tall, um, but like he has to work really hard in order to feel like he's strong and has good bone density and all the stuff we've been talking about. Whereas like in my genes, my genetics, obesity is really common. Diabetes is really common. I'm just more predisposed to weight gain and things that can lead to an unhealthy body. If anything is clear from Natalie's experience, in addition to Suzanne's and Katie's, it's that this is a complicated issue for everyone. And even when you may feel like you're figuring it out, it'll become just as complicated in a new way in the next phase of life. For me, this is not a simple issue to grapple with. My late husband and I were together for 25 years, and now I'm in a position where I'm having to learn how to understand my body image while meeting new people and creating new relationships in a space that was filled by a doting husband for most of my life. For all of us, I think the first step towards feeling more comfortable talking to our partners about their bodies is to better understand the way they and we are feeling. I talked with therapist and certified eating disorder specialist, Signa Darpinian, and she told me how she understands it. Marcy Evans says, body image is an inner picture of your body and the way you feel about it. And, you know, in in the world of eating disorders, you can imagine there is a whole lot of um, preoccupation with, with size and body. But yeah, we all have a body image. But for a lot of us, that body image dissatisfaction noise, it's sort of like elevator music in the background that we barely know is there, but it's causing damage. I think that something that's unique about romantic partnership is the way that they can bring this elevator music to the surface. We might not realize that we've had unhealthy views about our bodies, but intimate relationships have a way of pulling it all up and forcing us and them to figure it out. Signa explained further. Body image is contextual. And so what that means, Lisa, is that You might feel one way about your body, um, you know, 
out to dinner with friends and and another way about your body in an oversized baggy t-shirt getting ready for bed. Mm-hmm. I just, I just did an interview with somebody. Um, it's an interview on, on a study called the Fiji Island study where Dr. Ann Becker, she's an anthropologist and psychiatrist. She went into the Fiji islands before they had access to television and um, the Fiji islands at that time were a subsistence agriculture where you eat what you grow. Mm-hmm. And so if you're affluent in that particular uh, culture, you're, the body type is round and robust, and that is what perf- is preferred. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a nice reminder. It sort of breaks my brain to think about it, that the preferences of an unrealistically thin ideal is conditioning. So it really just depends on the cultural context. So typically the bodies that are the most prized in a particular culture are those of the most quote unquote affluent. The conditioning that Cigna is describing is something that I don't think we're aware of enough. We, along with our partners, are conditioned by the particular set of circumstances we've grown up in to prefer certain body types over others. And this is something that can create a wedge in a relationship. If we're not aware of the conditioning that's working in the background, we might fall victim to hurting our partner and ourselves in ways that we didn't realize or expect. Suzanne on the Council of Moms also gave some insight into how we can understand our partner's body image better. Something I want to add to our conversation is that mental health is so attached to body image and body health, and I just want to make sure that we're acknowledging that mental health, your brain, is part of your body. And that's been a, a huge area of perhaps complication in our lives that my husband and I at different of times had have experienced anxiety, depression in a great big real way. And so talking about mental stability, mental illness, anxiety, depression is a huge part of your body and being healthy and having those conversations of, hey, I see that maybe you're a little troubled or down. Is there something you want to talk about or talking about it with your doctor Uh, is definitely an important part of body image and body health and something that we should all be aware of. After hearing Suzanne talk about mental health and Cigna talk about cultural conditioning, I think that it is absolutely invaluable to have an in-depth understanding of the factors that are influencing our partner's body image. What then becomes difficult is that once you feel confident in how well you understand your partner, how do you support them? I asked the Council of Moms if they've had any experience with this, and this is what Natalie had to say. Obviously, we know our partners more intimately than like any other person on the planet. And I know when he's in a good mental space Mm. and working really focused and like really driven versus not. And I also know it's really correlated to his exercise and his diet. I've mm-hmm. seen the pattern. So like, you know, if I if he's getting frustrated at work, some things aren't happening that he wants to. And I also know he's like sleeping in and probably eating junk all day. So we've had a couple of those conversations where I've just, I've tried to approach it with love as much as I can and try not to be shamey or anything. Try not to but, sound like his mom. But I can just say, hey, I, I love you. I see this pattern. I also know that, you know, when you're eating more like this than like that, you seem to be in a better mood. I just, I'm here to help you. I'll support you however you need. And then usually it's been met with like, yeah, you're probably right. And I'll meal prep some food for him or things like to help him and see if it makes a difference. And it almost always does. I, I never want it to feel like, 
also like this is conditional on like our relationship or like I need you to weigh X amount. I need you to, it's never, never like that because that's going to change our whole lives. But I do want to see him be the best he can be. And when I notice how physical habits change that, I do feel like it's my job. Like I'm your partner. No one else knows this about you like I do. You probably don't even know this about yourself. From Natalie's story, I think the emerging theme is that in order to balance our emotional and physical relationships with our partner, our love for them can't be conditional on their body being a certain way. And just as important, our partners shouldn't ever feel like our love is conditional on their body being a certain way, which comes down to the way we communicate. Katie on the Council of Moms explained it this way. We always have to be careful, right? Because we don't want to be someone else's police. You know? Yeah. I noticed that you eat when you are feeling really down. And now I'm the policeman who is saying, well, you're feeling down. Stay away from this. You know, that's, yeah. that's Ooh, a terrible yeah. position. You, of course, would not want to be in that position with your spouse. That'd be terrible. So it has to be, it has to somehow come from, I'm helping to support you in the goals that you have. And I'm, I'm your partner in this and, and, I'm supporting you in the ways that you want me to support you for the goals that you have. A minute ago, you may have noticed a male voice in the room. Surprise! We brought in Katie's husband, Ken. And now I know, I know, Ken and Katie sound like too good of a couple's name to be real. But I wanted to hear about how they try and talk about bodies from both sides of the relationship. Here's how Ken explained the way he tries to make sure Katie doesn't feel like his love is dependent on her outward appearance. What's motivating the discussion, right? If it's right. if it is concern over something superficial, right? If it is a I'm worried about your I certainly think it can be talked about rather than weight or food, it can be talked about health, energy, um, the things that are, you know, even the way it might affect them emotionally. If you if you can tell this is taxing on them, they're self-conscious, they don't want to go out, those kind of things, then they, they don't feel like they're really living in the way they want, I think that's a completely appropriate conversation. In order for that motivation, like Ken said, to be clear, for there never to be a doubt that our conversations are inspired by concern that isn't superficial, we need to build a firm foundation of deep concern and love, a foundation that has to be built over time through consistent sincerity and investment in the emotional strength of the relationship. Ken described what this foundation looks like in his marriage. When I think about my marriage with Katie, I love her body because I love Katie. There is so much goodwill put into our relationship account by showing each other, by speaking each other's love language, um, caring about each other, supporting each other, positive affirmations, that when you do have to have a tricky discussion, there's already goodwill there. It's not a superficial thing. So if I come with a concern, whether it's health, you know, body image, whatever, then it's not met with this resistance of, well, you're always a fault finder. You know, it's, there's... It's already padded with, with love and, and strength there. And so I think if you're going to have a discussion with your, with your partner about their body, I think you should ask yourself why first. Like, is, am I concerned about their well-being, their emotional well-being attached to their body image? Or am I, am I being a big jerk and communicating that I'm just a big jerk? 
So while you're spending time doing what Ken suggests, putting goodwill into your relationship account, so to speak, when is it okay to have conversations with your partner about their body? I feel like even when a relationship is built on the strongest foundation, a conversation started at the wrong moment can be disastrous if handled poorly. So how can you tell when it's a good time? Here's what Ken and Katie had to say. I think if they bring it up, then it's clearly something on their mind. That's the best time or maybe the most appropriate time to have that discussion. And it should be, oh, how can I be supportive of you? Or what would you like me to do? Because I think rarely <laughs> do we need something pointed out that we're already very aware of our, ourselves, right? And so if someone's bringing it up, then it's obvious they're aware of it. They want to discuss it. Maybe they're ready for the topic at that time. That's a really good point, too. And then, like, if someone brings it up, then we might have a tendency. We can't be dismissive, right? And be like, oh, no, you're fine. You're beautiful. You're great. It's fine, right? Because that's not good when anyone brings anything up. That's dismissive. Katie is right. It can feel very dismissive to tell your partner that you're feeling fat or ugly or whatever and for them to say, no, you're not. You look great. But on the flip side, it can be hard to hear your partner say something negative about themselves. Sometimes you just want to shake them and tell them they're amazing until every negative thought is gone. So what do we say? How can we honor that impulse without invalidating their insecurity? I asked Signa Darpinian for advice. I think it's really human to just want validation and affirmation, right? That's pretty universal. Think about if a partner comes to you and says, I feel fat. You want to start by validating their experience of struggling with their body. Um, and that might look like, you know, I'm so sorry you weren't feeling good about yourself right now. Um, thank you for telling me how you feel. So that goes a really long way, by the way. Oh, Just yeah. feeling heard and understood totally. really kind of leads to um, reducing emotionally aroused states. Hmm. Then if you are available, so say... So say you're the partner that's being asked. The goal is to, to ask them to tell you more about their frustrations. So the goal is to gently start to guide them to understanding that fat is not a feeling. The author, Aubrey Gordon, she wrote a great article recently and she said, fat is not an emotion, it's a body type. And she said, it's my body type. You see? Um, and so... It's a phrase that I feel fat. Uh, it's a phrase that we use to mask underlying feelings. And we want to help people reach for words that are more precise in describing their emotions so we can help our partners, you know, get the support that they need. I love Cigna's advice. Helping our partners better describe their emotions will help both them and us understand what's really at the root of the problem and know how to love and support each other and ourselves. This reminded me of a time years ago when my husband and I weren't really clicking when it came to the way we talked to each other. I told the story to the Council of Moms. I remember a couple of years into our marriage, Christopher would say, I am not as smart as you think I am. You just, and I'd be like, yes, you are, you're brilliant. And he's like, no, 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 like I'm in some areas, but you just need to tell me what you want and then I'll do it. Like, I can't, I can't guess. I'm not going to pick up on that subtlety. I just am like, just say, so if I'll say, I'm trying to do this, I need you to encourage me to 
in this or whatever, mm-hmm. or I'm not feeling great about my body. I need you to um, compliment me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's so like to, I need instead of having you read my mind all to say that now that I don't have a partner in in that and and I still have all of those needs of like I want somebody to help me encourage me to uh, with my mental health like I need somebody I need somebody to be accountable to or somebody helping me with this Up until this point in the episode, most of our conversation has functioned on the basic assumption that both partners really do love each other sincerely and that they want to build up healthy body image but just aren't sure how. But I imagine some of you who are listening might be thinking, okay, fine, but I'm not sure if my partner does care about me beyond the way I look. Ken told me about a time when he was in an advisory position in his local church congregation, and a woman came in expressing similar concerns. She told him that her husband was constantly nitpicking her appearance and making her feel like nothing more than something to be looked at. He told her what he thought should be her first step. It's going to it's gonna require vulnerability of calling them out on it, I think. When you say this, when you say this, I feel this. You know, and this other thing is not going to happen because of it. Because I don't, I don't feel safe being vulnerable with yeah. you. I don't feel seen by you. I don't feel um, loved. I, I feel like I'm kind of objectified by mm-hmm. whatever it is you you think I should be looking like. In many relationships, things are much more serious than just a matter of being more vulnerable. In an episode about relationships and bodies, it's inevitable that many minds go to question about abuse, be it physical or emotional. If you have any worries in your mind as to whether you may be the victim of abuse, any worries at all, I encourage you to seek out a professional who can help you figure out just how serious your situation is and what steps you should take. You can find helpful resources in this episode description if you're on a podcast listening app or in the episode notes on byuradio.org slash Lisa. I think that what's true for all of us is that a stronger foundation of sincere care, selflessness, and commitment will help make the sometimes complicated conversations about body image easier. Even if talking about your body to your partner feels impossible right now, it's always possible to improve for both partners to start feeling more confident and safe. Suzanne and Katie on the Council of Moms told me about how they've made progress even when it feels hopeless. I have to say in the, in the initial part of it, I was not good at it. I, I said what to your kids and your husband of just, well, figure it out. You know, that's, yeah. I have the kids, so yeah. go ahead and figure it out. Get up and head off to work because I can't fix that. Really sorry. And then it was years of a learning curve to figure out that that's really not an appropriate response and not helpful in any way. Don't say snap out of it. Yeah. <laughs> pull your bootstraps up. Yeah. Or I'm are only, you saying yeah. your prayers? Uh, right. You know, all yeah. of those things right. are not helpful to someone who is struggling with, uh, you know, anxiety or depression. And so just being able to sit with them, once again, it comes back yeah. to that difficult feelings and emotions and being comfortable and sitting with them and saying, I'm sorry that you're feeling that way. How can I help? What can we do to address it? Um, And just acknowledging that it's there and and finding ways to help, um, I think, are are the best. It's the best way to get a best outcome. 
Well, and I think there's so much that we're learning. There's so much to learn there too. Um, With one of our kids then we recently were learning about how blood sugar and how your body's ability to regulate blood sugar affects anxiety and depression. Mm. So like, because mental health is our body, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's also our physical health. Then there are some things that we may not either realize are affecting mm-hmm. the way that, that our help. emotions are going. Yeah, that we could investigate. We can find more information and then like, I'm seeing this thing and I have seen this pattern. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is something that we should like learn more about and find more about and, and see maybe there's some things that are within your control. Maybe there's some things that are outside of your control that could be addressed or helped. Like I like this idea of looking at our bodies as... Um, as a tool, right? Something to help us to like give service and to be and to do things for mm-hmm. people our whole lives. And in that way, then we want to keep it strong and healthy so that we are are functional, you know, so that we can give and 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 learn and, and move forward, you know, instead of hot or not. And while what Katie is saying might seem obvious, that there's more to relationships than just being hot or not, I think it's infinitely valuable to acknowledge our romantic partnerships will be strengthened by fully understanding that our partners have irrefutable and eternal worth, worth that doesn't change as our bodies grow and shrink. And so do we. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. It's hosted by Lisa Valentine Clark and produced by Becca Hurley, McKay Menden, and Kaya Dib, with music and post production by Josh Fault and Sim Clausen. And make sure to subscribe to The Lisa Show on YouTube, where each week Lisa is talking about a different chapter of Lexi and Lindsay Kite's More Than a Body as part of her series, Lisa's Book Club. <laughs>